Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. The Crickey family's history in sprint car racing in Australia started in the late 70s and early 80s after Peter Crickey bought a car from Sprint Car Hall of Famer Bob Trossel. Many years later, Peter's son Ryan runs the team, and he's my guest this time on the show. We dive into what the team has gone through during this pandemic-affected season, the history of the team, which includes some familiar names, Ryan's time as a crew member on the road with the World of Outlaws, and much more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Ryan Crickey. Let's start with, you know, your, your family's sprint car team. Um, it's been a very difficult year, obviously, across the world. And, and, you know, normally you guys would be out traveling. You know, your driver, you know, Kerry Madsen, you know, would have been probably kicking ass at this point. But uh, things very different this year. You guys decided to kind of scale back and, and run locally, obviously, with, with some of the issues down there as well. But give me an idea about the kind of decision-making process that you guys went through when you realized that you weren't going to have Kerry Madsen in your car for, uh, for the schedule this season. Yeah. Uh, firstly, thanks for having me on. It's a real privilege to get uh, uh, get a message from you from the other side of the world. From uh, obviously the US is uh, uh, is where where all the spring car racing uh, happens, and to get a uh, to get kind of the message and the recognition to uh, to want to have me on your show is a real privilege. So thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to answer the question, uh, yeah, Kerry was actually here last year in March when it all sort of started to unfold, or late February, um, and he kind of said then. Uh, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm going home now. I probably, uh, if it's another month or so, I might not get back into the US. And at that point, I was kind of dismissive of it, but uh, he's actually right into current affairs and uh, he's quite an intelligent guy. And uh, when he said that, I sort of stood up and sort of took notice. Uh, and then, yeah, just had to kind of watch it play out. Initially, when it all sort of happened, I could see the economy was going to suffer greatly. So I actually said to the guy who runs our runs our team, uh, I said to him back in March or April, like, go and buy every tyre you can get. Let's order the parts now. You know, I don't know. <clears throat> I wasn't sure how the, uh, how the businesses were going to survive uh, cash flow-wise. So I was like, let's, let's get what we can now so that we've got it in, you know, August, September, October when we need to start getting serious uh, about going forward. Let's get that stuff now. You know, who knows what businesses in the country are going to have the parts we need where the US dollar was going to be at. Um, so it probably started as early as March, really. Uh, so we uh, so we did what we could with parts. We got a bunch of stuff on order. Uh, and then, obviously, all the borders went up. Uh, so we had to start thinking about what we do going going forward. <coughs> had um, had Matty Cochran, uh, our crew chief, the guy who runs the race car team, for me. Uh, I kept him on full-time. He kept sort of saying, you know, look, you know, do you want me to go and do some other work? Do you want me to do this, do that? And I was like, no, no, let's just keep let's just keep moving forward with it. I never wanted to kind of take that sidestep or a step back, because you know, once you start to do that, you almost start to concede, and then you know, it's too easy just to kind of let it fall away. Um, so yeah, so that sort of uh, that was kind of midwinter for us, sort of that June July period. Uh, then uh, yeah, I could see that getting Kerry back here was going to be really tough, uh, and I. I really had to wait on the decision from the World Series to, uh, to see what they were going to do going forward. Obviously, that's what we've done for the last 20 years, and that's kind of uh, what we kind of base our whole schedule around is the, is the World Series. <clears throat> Once they made the announcement, and I'd already had, so prior to that, I'd already had some pretty lengthy conversations with Matt and kind of kept in touch with Kerry and... Um, once they made the decision not to not to run the World Series, I kind of had 
the plan B, which was to put Dane Kingshot in the car. I kind of had that uh, sort of in the back of my mind anyway. <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, if you're not prepared for the worst, you're not prepared at all. So uh, I was kind of prepared for the worst and we'd already sort of started gearing up for that. So once once the World Series couldn't happen, uh, yeah, a few more conversations with Kerry and I really wanted to start racing. Ordinarily with Kerry, we wouldn't start racing till December, but if we were if if we were going to be stuck in WA, Western Australia all all season, uh, that I wanted to race for the points here. Uh, so we had to be right by opening night, which was like two months earlier than what we would normally race. So uh, yeah, so once World Series made the decision, it was there was a lot to be done, uh, a lot of conversations to be had, and we just had to get together what we uh, what we could get together, uh, engage Dane, and be there for opening night to uh, to to make sure we got every point we can and now obviously the way things are we're, we're gonna just we're committed to western australia and we'll race for the points here and uh, see where we end up in april when it all finishes up yeah the the u.s fans that obviously pay attention to what's going on down there they're, they're going to be able to watch your car and have been able to watch your car race at perth uh live on dirt vision and and with dane uh, you know obviously a guy that comes from what you call speed cars what we call midgets uh you know giving him his opportunity to kind of jump in a sprint car and and i know you guys as a family have sponsored him in the past with with your family businesses but give me an idea about what kind of driver he is and, and why he was the easy choice to to put in the car for this season um, yeah, we've had a really long, long, uh, long relationship with his family. Uh, his dad used to help us on like the family race team years and years ago before we kind of took it on the road and whatnot. Um, and I've sort of been watching Dane uh, and have supported Dane and sponsored Dane right from junior sedans, which is like a thing that a, a 12 year old kid, kid does over here and like your little uh, family run around sedan. Watching go through the ranks into speed cars. Um, we've got two two car dealerships: the Toyota dealership and the Subaru dealership. And uh, the, the Subaru dealership has sponsored him really from day one in the speed car. So I've had a really close eye on him for a long time, and he's been a really good friend of the family. Um, so uh, yeah, um, when when it came time to make that decision about who to put in it um, and it's kind of like not typically what we would do sort of give you know give somebody a crack and I'm all I'm really all for that but uh, you know typically we go after a professional that can win us that world series but obviously we had to rejig our thinking this year um, so yeah it was it, it was quite an easy choice really he's a local guy he lives here in the same town um, I, I know he can do it, the, the talent he's got, and when you see him in a midget, he's just really silky, uh, makes really good decisions. His family team, uh, with all respect, was, was quite low budget, so he knows how to look after stuff. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 was, it, it was a big decision, but an obvious one and, and quite an easy one to make, really. And it's been great fun so far. His results are building. Uh, it's getting more and more comfortable. We've kind of figured something out now with the car that I think uh, goes in his favor so yeah i'm looking forward to speed week uh, boxing day when you guys are racing at perth obviously perth is like what an hour and a half up the road from where you guys are in, in bunbury and then but you know if this was a normal season running world series you know how different does that look how much traveling is there with world series and and you know on a schedule basis how different is this season versus what you would normally run yeah, yeah, it's like couldn't get any further apart, I suppose. Um, I guess, you know, the World Series is like a really tight, condensed 
version of the Outlaws, I guess. You know, it goes for two months. Uh, when we start racing, we race uh, six nights in seven days. So we almost, we, we start with a speed week. Uh, and then there's like 20 hours of travel from Warrnambool to Brisbane. And uh, there's just so much travel involved. You know, Australia is such a, such a big country that we don't just, you know, like your next track, when we have to go from state to state, your next track is not, you know, four or six hours away. It's like 20 hours. So there's so many overnight hauls. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the travel on the guys is uh, is really brutal. Uh, and there's there's no real gap in the schedule for any, uh, you know, like, like a, a week long, you know, weekend to weekend. There's no, we don't have that week long gap in the schedule to kind of regroup and go back to the shop because our shop is... Uh, clear the other side of the country it's more or less in California and we do most of the racing in Pennsylvania to kind of put it in some sort of perspective you know, so there's no opportunity just to go back to the shop reload and go again um, so yeah the logistics of getting stuff around the country is pretty tough especially if you happen to hurt a motor uh, or a car uh, we're really fortunate uh, a good friend of mine Owen Kelly who owns Transport Equipment Ohio is one of our major sponsors he's in Melbourne which is kind of like a middle point to that east coast if you like uh, so we, uh, we we ship some stuff over to him and we leave some stuff in his uh, in his shed over there and uh, if we happen to hurt a car or you know we've gone through a few wings we have some stuff with him so that's um, uh, you know that that's that, that's a big a big help when that uh, you know if we do get in that situation um, from my point of view um, pretty much in summer I would fly every weekend and like I say it's like flying from you know LA to Pittsburgh or whatever it's going to be it's like Every every flight's you know four hours five hours. Uh, I try and do it um, first thing on a Friday morning. So we drive to Perth, uh, spend the Thursday night in a hotel by the airport, take the early morning flight, get to wherever I'm going by midday or two, then more or less go straight to the track, uh, spend a couple of nights, two or three nights with the guys at the races, then fly back first thing Monday uh, or Sunday, and uh, and in the office the next day. So it's that for those two months uh, for that sort of stuff every weekend or thereabouts, it, it becomes pretty gruelling. So to uh, to go from that to what we're doing now, it's almost like we're barely racing at all because it's kind of, you know, we drive up to the track, race there, and we, we do race in Perth and stuff and uh, uh, WA with the World Series, so it's kind of like back end of that schedule, but, um, you know, not... Uh, not having that pressure or chasing those points and by the time the World Series comes back to Western Australia the points are pretty well kind of set so you know you're, you're well aware of where you need to be each night and who needs to be where and where you need to be in comparison to them so it's you know when we come back here it's it's more of a high pressure uh, situation whereas at the moment it's just kind of uh, it's actually pretty cruisy yeah the guy that's running the team Matty he's like what do you want me to do this week? We don't race for, for a whole, like I've got next weekend off, you know, you mind if I take a day off to go skiing or whatever. I was like, yeah, mate, whatever. Like, you know, we got plenty of time. So, uh, but he's done a lot of work on the, on the truck and trailer and the shop and that sort of stuff. So it's nice to have that time to do other stuff instead of just, you know, jam everything in the trailer and you go on for sort of two and a half or three months, whatever it is. Yeah. You guys, uh, you know, e even with a new driver, have, have had some pretty good results so far. I think you guys have had, what, three races, and, and the last time out here on December 5th, you know, finished second, and, you know, a hell of a finish there uh, on that last night. But what, uh, you know, e even with, you know, having a young guy, what, what are your actual expectations of, of what Dane can do this season? Um, it's good to see you. Obviously, watch, uh, obviously tune in and watch, uh, watch every race. That's pretty cool. <clears throat> it's hard to know uh, who sort of has interest in it and who doesn't. Um, yeah, well, that was the big thing. Like, I know the car 
uh, carries a certain amount of expectation and, you know, we kind of really do our bit with social media and the appearance of the of the car and the, you know, the, the, the team and the truck and the trailer and stuff. So I kind of get that it brings a certain level of expectation uh, and that was a conversation I had with Dane really early, like, mate, there is no expectation in this. Um, you know, let's just, like, you know, we need someone that's going to keep the car up front or thereabouts and, you know, um, I, I don't want everything torn up in the first three nights and, you know, I just kind of tried to back all that out of it for him. Uh, he's going to put enough expectation on himself. So I just kind of tried to, uh, you know, kind of remove all that and just bring it back to a, a real fun, you know, let's just go to the races and maybe if we're fifth, we're fifth. If we're tenth, we're tenth. You know, I don't want you to take a tenth place car and try and make it fifth and wreck everything on the way through. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, my expectation... Uh, was kind of uh, about where we are now, I suppose, but I kind of probably would have expected to be there at the end of the year. You know, I kind of thought that we would have started with, uh, you know, a few top tens and then kind of like in the new year, they would turn into top fives, they turn into sort of top threes by the end of the year. And if we can win one, then, you know, I'd be stoked. But uh, to come out and have the car speed that we've got, uh, particularly early in the night, uh, qualifying has been really, really good with that. Um, and yeah, and obviously the, the feature races, uh, and he hadn't raced any up until our opening night. He hadn't raced anything since February uh, this year, so he was out of the chair for a long time. And, and you know, and that was a midget. He hasn't done anything in a sprint car forever. So uh, yeah, the, the way he's got in it, uh, and really kind of, um, kind of just getting that communication and that feel back to the crew chief has been uh, outstanding so far. Him and Matty, uh, the crew chief, is. Um, uh, their best mates and Matty was the crew chief on his midget, so that kind of makes that relationship a lot easier, which is which is key. But um, yeah, his uh, the, the way he's going at the moment, his feedback, the way he kind of handles the car and what he does with it, and the way he moves it around, I'm yeah wrapped, and I can see a win coming sooner or later. Probably should have won that last race. We were <clears throat> we were right there thereabouts. I think if we were another three or four nights in, we probably would have we probably would have won. It, Probably could have been a little bit harder on the leader, but I don't want him to do that at, at this point in time. Uh, as it was, the leader was harder on him, which is which is fair to go on up win the race, so that's cool. <laughs> He's giving us plenty to shout about so far. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for the people that are actually watching this, uh, you, you are wearing your Cricky Motorsport polo that has the 40-year uh, the logo on it, which I believe was from last year. Um, so your family's race team has certainly been around a long time. Um, and, and I certainly want to talk about the, you know, kind of the history because, you know, even if fans here in the U S don't know your team specifically, they will certainly know a number of the drivers you guys have had over the years and, and, and will know kind of the origin story of your team because your dad, you know, way back in the day bought his first car from Bob Trousel, who is obviously a sprint car legend in the United States, but, you know, kind of run me through, you know, the, you know, the short history of, of Cricket Motorsports and, and, uh, uh, you know how it got started, and, and all of the you know all of the things you guys have done up to this point. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty long story, I guess. Short version. Yeah, uh, the Americans used to come out and race here in, in Western Australia back like uh, you know sort of mid to late seventies. Um, and I was born seventy six, so this is like my very earliest memories. Um, uh, they would, uh, and Dad used to sponsor the Speedway, and he kind of knew the promoter and would like supply push trucks and that sort of that sort of thing back in the day. Uh, when the Americans would would come down to race in Bunbury, they used to use the wash bay at the back of this dealership, at the back of the Toyota dealership, uh, and use the workshop. And you know, back in those days, they were just big, heavy, dirty, greasy, oily sort of cars. And so it was the workshop. So it was all cool. But 
Uh, anyway, yeah, Dad got to Dad got to know Bob Trostle and uh, some of these guys that that would come out with him. Uh, I remember having Christmas Day, having Jack Hewitt, Tim Green, and Rick Unger, I think, around for Christmas lunch, like as a as a kid. So this is you know a long time ago. Uh, anyway, I guess it came time when they were going to box them up and send them home or uh, whatever they did with them. And Dad said, "Well, let's not do that. Maybe I'll just buy one." Um, so he, you know, what I don't even know the amount. It was like four or six grand or whatever. <coughs> Bought it, and uh, then he had to get someone to race it. Um, Dad used to actually race speedway back in the day, kind of like sedans, you know, sort of bush bashing these things uh, at the speedway locally here years ago. But uh, his brother Ron, his younger brother Ron, said, "Well, you know, I think I could probably race this thing." He'd never raced anything, but he's like, "I could probably race this thing." <clears throat> so they uh, took it out the track here on uh, a few different weekends and got some laps up, and then he started racing and uh, kind of took to it pretty quickly. Became quite handy. Uh, went on to win the national or two national titles, one in '85 and one in '91. Uh, he went on to race for Jeff Kendrick, where he finished his career and was was super successful there. Another another big team here in WA. Uh, from there, uh, his uh, his my uncle dad's other brother John stepped in and raced. Uh, he won uh, I think a couple of state titles for Speedway. He was he was pretty handy. He went on to race for someone else. Uh, then my brother raced it, uh, and then. At, uh, later in his career, he uh, got diagnosed with um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, so that sort of took him out of the chair. Uh, and at that point, uh, I did a stint in the US in 96 with, uh, with Jack Hoddenschild. I uh, spent six months over there on the uh, on the Outlaws with him. Uh, so I kind of got to know uh, a lot of the guys over there and got to know Shots, Donnie, uh, a little bit. And then Donnie came out here and raced uh, for the, a couple of these upcoming speed week rounds. And uh, anyway, when my brother got, got sick in 99 uh, with, uh, with cancer, we sort of made the decision to kind of build the team up a little bit, employ a full-time mechanic, uh, and we'll take it on the road. <coughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how, how it got started. It's what it is now. So Shots was... Uh, Kind of the first guy to come out uh, and do the World Series uh, in our uh, in our first year as myself and Keith Giles and, and Donny on the road, uh, and uh, yeah, we, we had no idea what we were doing. We had a little Mitsubishi dual cab Pantech thing with like a little box on the back. We had like one spare wing and three spare nose wings and one spare motor that was half as good as the motor that was in the car. Uh, and back then, uh, the World Series was like twenty odd rounds, not like thirteen or fourteen like it is now. Um, so yeah, away we went. We um, yeah went out and won the first six nights straight. Um, you know, we're beating Brooke and Skip and uh, whoever Kerry and Braes and whoever else was on the series back in those days. Uh, it was super tough. Uh, and uh, yeah, we just kind of uh, got got rolling from there. So he uh, he did the first year with us. Uh, couldn't commit to the second year. So then we had to uh, had to make a change from there, which is when Skip Jackson came aboard. Uh, then he uh, he made the decision not to come back to Australia to race uh, sort of full time again. Uh, so yeah, so with every with every kind of yeah driver that was sort of in and out, we sort of had to had to keep looking. And uh, yeah, with this, I, don't, I actually don't know how many there's been now, but probably fifteen, sixteen, I guess. Yeah. I would imagine, you know, with your, you know, your dad doing it when he did and, and as young as you were that you and your brother probably grew up at the racetrack. What are your kind of like first memories of, of being around the team and, and being around the racetrack? 
Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> so there was seven years between me and my brother. So he was kind of always hands on. Uh, you know, he was probably 14, 15, 13 when I guess dad bought the first car. So, uh, you know, he was kind of probably more into it than I was as a kid. And I was kind of like into, you know, skateboarding and BMX bikes and all that sort of stuff. So it kind of took me uh, until. I don't know, I was probably early teens, 13, 14, to get kind of real interested in it. But the race car was always there, you know, the, uh, the little shed that a workshop type thing that was kept in was out the back and it was all pretty, it was all pretty agricultural, really, uh, I guess like they all were back in the day. Um, yeah, you know, I kind of wasn't allowed to hang around too much as a kid because there was a lot of bad language and uh, beers getting drunk on, on, the, on the maintenance nights and whatever. And uh, But yeah, then as the, as the speedway, it was always... Uh, I've kind of never gone to the racetrack without having, I guess, you know, some sort of a, an invested interest or having a relationship with someone at some point. So, um, yeah, just like everyone, I guess, every every kid run around picking up tear-offs and kicking rocks and whatever. And uh, and then as I got kind of more into it, um, it really became super co- consuming. And uh, like every young guy that's into sprint cars, it's like everything. You, the only T-shirt you put on is a sprint car T-shirt. The only book you have is a is an open wheel magazine back in the day or whatever you know it's uh, you know the only thing you the only place you want to be on my weekends was spent at the back here uh with my cousin uh daryl and my other cousin jason sort of working on the car and you know we weren't allowed to do too much too early but then you know obviously we, we uh grew up and matured and got a bit smarter and started to uh, yeah get into it yeah I think if I if I saw correctly, you actually worked on the car at various points, did crew stuff. But did you ever drive? Did you ever want to drive? Was that something, you know, that that was kind of in your mind? Uh, yeah, I was always right into the mechanical side of things. I uh, did a couple of state, uh, a couple of stints in the states uh, with uh, with Jake Hoddenschild, kind of pretty tight with the Hoddenschilds. Um, and yeah, it's kind of I was just starting to uh, get geared up to go and uh, do some racing in the winter of 97 so i was in america 96 uh winter of 97 and then uh, in march of that year lost two cousins jason and daryl in a road accident <coughs> uh, on the way home from what was claremont speedway the old speedway before the one uh, before quinana or the perth motorplex uh so that kind of really sort of took the wind out of my sails there i just kind of lost all interest at that sort of for that at that point uh, then I was kind of getting geared up to go do it again uh, in the winter of um, whichever year. Then uh, my brother got diagnosed uh, with cancer there that year. So that was kind of like my helper. Like he, I was going to kind of the roles are going to be reversed. I was his crew chief at that point and he was going to kind of, you know, we're going to kind of go and do this together. He was going to sort of help me, help me along and go do it that winter. But um yeah, that sort of never eventuated either. So, uh, and then the decision came to, what do we do with the team now? You know, he was kind of too crook to race, too too sick to race. And then, uh, you know, we sort of made the decision. And because I'd never kind of driven, I didn't have that bug, I suppose. Uh, as as a kid, I did a fair bit of uh, go kart racing and all that sort of stuff. I've kind of that way inclined. But then the decision came, uh, and I guess for me it was like, don't pursue something that I didn't really know if I was ever going to be any good at to you know being a big hand in putting the team on the road and turning it into what it is now so um yeah it kind of it's it's definitely not a I would have loved to have done it uh it's not a regret I have you know if you look at what we've done with the team ever since then 21 years or 20 years on the road um to have an integral part of that and to now be 
uh, kind of managing it. You know, we've enjoyed a lot of success along the way, made a lot of friends, done a lot of travel. Uh, it's been really good to us. It's not not something that I'll ever look back and, and regret. I'm sort of happy with that never sort of took off. Um, and But then the team kind of turned into what it did now, if all that makes any sense, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm curious too now about your, with, with you saying that you came to the United States and, and, you know, a couple of times and, and you know, how did you get to know the Hodden Shields and, and, and how did that work out that you came over to work for them? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I spent some time on the East Coast here with a guy by the name of Mike Rao, um, just as a, as a kid, he, he needed a wrench and um, I kind of flew over and helped him for a busy period. Uh, as, as, as the wheel would turn, uh, we were working at uh, Jamie Veal's dad's place um, at his workshop in, uh, uh, well, it wasn't SWI back then, it was PRC uh, in Warrnambool uh, on this guy's car. And so was Kerry uh, Madsen as well. And he was only a young guy at that time with some other young guys helping him. Uh, we heard a car, he heard a car. Uh, anyway, we ended up all working at, at Veal's old man's workshop and I kind of got to know Kerry really well and we became really good friends. Uh, so that must have been like 95, I guess. And then, uh, anyway, rang me up. Kerry rang me up one day and he's like, look, I'm going to the uh, I'm going to the US in a couple of months. Why don't you come over with me? And I reckon I can get your job over there with someone. I said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be, you know, that'd be, that's a good opportunity. So, uh, and working in the family business, I could kind of, you know, sort of walk in and out, um, not really as I wanted, but kind of I, I had a fair bit of slack there, I guess. So, um, yeah, so Kerry actually uh, flew over with Kerry, uh, spent a couple of weeks uh, with Tom Balderson from uh, who's uh, has the um, Dodge dealership in Zanesville. Uh, spent a couple of weeks with him there. Kerry and I sort of travelled around, went to some all-star races and whatnot, and went to an outlaw race. And uh, Hod's crew chief at the time, Mouse uh, Daryl Green. I sort of knew him. He was, he's from Adelaide, uh, an Australian. Um, anyway, I got talking to him. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I really need some help here. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what an opportunity. So uh, I spent the first spent the first few weeks or three weeks just sleeping in the trailer in the hall and not getting paid, just kind of last one through the shower, the only one with no clean laundry, whatever, just did anything, anything I could. Just, uh, I don't know, probably mounted and grooved a million tyres as you do as a tie guy on, a, uh, on an outlaw team. So, uh, yeah, from there I just got to know. Um, <coughs> I was there, I was there for, a, for, for the six months. Uh, back then you had, uh, could only get like a six-month visa. Uh, so I was there for, uh, for six months. Uh, with uh, with Mouse and Hyde, and that was when Sheldon was just like I like pictures of Sheldon as like this tiny little kid just riding around on a balance bike type thing. Um, so yeah, so from there I, I just got to know the Hyden Child's really good. Anyone who knows them knows that they're like you know super cool, super decent people. Uh, and then uh, I went back in '99 when we were setting our uh, our team up. Uh, when I flew over with Giles in, we uh, went to Shots' shop and we basically bought a bunch of parts of Shots and box them up to send home and I got talking to Bonsai who was Hod's crew chief at that point in time uh, and he's like well you know why don't you why don't you stay and we'll you know come back and work for us so uh, so yeah so I've had a couple of spins with Hod actually uh, which is really cool so uh, it's cool now if I post something on or you know the race team post something on uh, Instagram or Twitter or something Sheldon particularly around car designs and stuff you know Sheldon might leave a comment or uh, you know like it or whatever which is um, you know, which is pretty cool. 
Heck yeah. I, I want to ask about that, you know, that kind of 99, 2000 season with shots and, and kind of going from being a, a family team with, with, you know, your, you know, whether it was your brother or your uncle's driving the car to now like deciding to be a professional team and bringing somebody like Donnie in. And I know that season you guys won, I think seven straight world series rounds. Um, but what was that kind of transition like and, and how important was Donnie and, and the knowledge he had to be able to get you guys kind of going in the right direction? <laughs> So this is the funny part. We were like so far from being professional, it was not funny. <laughs> Half the time we had no idea where we were going. We we uh, we crashed the truck. Uh, first night out, the first round was in Kalgoorlie, which is like seven or eight hours from here. And uh, we crashed the truck on the way home and squashed the cab of it. We had to do the whole World Series with a dual cab with a left front door that couldn't open because we had to like weld it shut because we couldn't get it fixed in time. Um, we cooked it. We got we got the thing that hot one day going into a roaring headwind that it's uh, like boiled itself dry and stopped on the side of the road. We like barely made drivers meeting. We got it bogged in some soft sand off the on the shoulder of the highway. Uh, there was like we'd get to a racetrack, the car would come untied and slip back and knocked all the lights out of the roof and like it was just um, we had really good results and the car was. That was back when there was no weight rule. Uh, so we basically bought an outlaw car out here <clears throat> and, uh, and with a guy like Donnie. Uh, and in those days, you know, there were still some good guys going to the US and coming back, but Donnie was already next level then. Um, you know, we just had to give him a half-decent car and he would do the rest. Um, yeah, so it's uh, kind of, we were still like these these local yokel bloody hooligans that just loaded up their hot rod and, and turned up. We just happened to be reasonably quick. Uh, Donnie was making good decisions on the track. So, yeah, we won the first six. Uh, I think it was first six straight. Then we had a break for Christmas. Uh, Donnie went home, come back, and then and then it just, like, went downhill really quickly. We uh, Because everything was lightweight, the, we ended up pulling the eye out of the left side of the front axles. It was like this super thin wall thing. And... Uh, I don't know, we got a bad bunch of bad batch of fuel somewhere and it wouldn't run. Um, I don't know, went to Parramatta, ran off the edge of the racetrack into the big tyre wall there. It's, we won the first six and then didn't win another one until, until the very last night. Uh, Brooke went on to win the series and he, uh, he actually missed the night to go to a friend's wedding. So, um, yeah, but kind of, it was, yeah, Donnie, uh, Donnie spent the whole time in the truck, so he drove across the Malibor. We made him drive on this, like, this 90-mile straight that has, like, nothing not one building not one bend not one lamppost nothing it's just like a 90 mile piece of road through a desert uh we put him in the chair for that and made him drive that um yeah like it, it's you know we built life you know forged lifelong friendships and relationships out of it uh you know we just had had so much fun and uh, you know spent time up in the gold coast and then we went surfing and Doing all that sort of stuff, uh, yeah, but just race night. We were, we were reasonably good on track, which, um, yeah, if you look back and look at the results, you think, wow, these guys must have been, you know, like super badass and like right across it, but we actually weren't. <laughs> You guys, I feel like have kind of had a, a who's who even of Australian drivers in your cars between Skip Jackson and Robbie Farr and Jamie Veal. And, um, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the seasons with Brooke Tattnall. Obviously, you guys had so much success with Brooke and Brooke is a guy that's raced over here a bunch as well. Um, but what was that kind of stretch of, of seasons like and, and, and to be able to win all of the things you were able to win with Brooke? Yeah, we had a really good combination. You know, the longer you can keep people together, uh, not the easier it gets, but 
uh, you know, the more sense a lot of stuff makes, I suppose. So we had a really good crew chief, PK Bourne, uh, Shane Finch, who spent a lot of time over in the States. Uh, he was our kind of, we only had the two mechanics. Um, he wasn't really the tyre guy, but I guess you'd kind of call him that. He was like it was Pete, and, Pete and Finchie uh, and Brooke. Their relationship uh, was something like I've never, something like I've never seen, uh, you know, the communication between, uh, you know, crew chief and driver and, uh, you know, it, it was a it was a dream a dream gig for Brooke as well. You know, he just knew that he could roll into the racetrack, you know, 20 minutes before the drivers' meeting, and we were going to be good every night. Uh, I don't know. You just we we're just in that purple patch. You know, you see with guys over there, whether it's you know Donny one year or Sweet one year, or there's guys here like James has kind of been in that position the last couple of years over here with Buzzy and, uh, and the Monty Motorsports team. Uh, when you get in that space um, and the winning, uh, the, the winning culture, or you know, winning kind of breeds winning, and then the momentum. It becomes a really hard thing to to, to stop from another team. Um, so yeah, we just had a had a had a really good run. Uh, I had a you know had a heap of fun along the way. Just every race we went to, when you roll in and you know you're going to be super competitive, um, it's just you know it just makes life so much easier. Uh, and then we just went on a went on a bit of a tear and won. Uh, yeah, uh, what was it? Uh, five World Series championships, and um, yeah, it just it just all happened. Yeah, it was really good. We had good cars, we had Australian made cool frames that were uh, working really well. So we we're working close with uh, with John Cooley, a cool chassis, and the motors were just spot on. And just yeah, it was um, just that 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 era just suited our team and those guys on the road just so perfectly. Well, when I hosted the Open Red podcast with Ross, we, we had a few guys on. We had McFadden on. We had, we had you know, Wade on. Um, but I'm curious from your perspective, especially as, as somebody who has, you know, been in the positions you've been in in Australia, but then also have spent, you know, at least some time in the United States and, and out on tour and things like that. What are, like, the big kind of differences between sprint car racing in, in the United States and sprint car racing in Australia? Um, <clears throat> back then, like, when I was spending the time over there, like, 96 and 99, I think there was – a really big difference, uh, particularly in uh, you know truck and trailer and all haulers and, uh, and resources. I think these days that gap is is barely even there at all. You know, like our uh, you know I'd believe that our trailer uh, is everything that, that that an outlaw trailer is pretty much. Um, so now I actually don't think the differences are that much. Um, Certainly when those guys, uh, you know, when an American comes down, the amount of racing that they can do for so long at such an intense level uh, gives them that gives them that upper edge. But then you see guys like Robbie Farr, who hasn't been to America in probably forever. Uh, he's still competitive and can beat Kerry or James or Donnie or, you know, these guys on, you know, on his nights. So um, I feel like the gaps these days between America and here are really minimal, uh, you know, Everything these days is, you know, air freighted out. You can have it within three or four days. You know, all the all the parts are the same. You know, our car that, that, that we're running here, which is the same as last year's we ran with Kerry, that was built at Maxim to his spec. We run the same flat dish wings he runs. Like everything is our our race car is everything that an outlaw car is. You know, when Kerry picked him up from the airport last year and took him straight to the shop to uh, get the seat in and whatever else, we got back in the car, went to drop him, drop him at his hotel and uh, he turned to me and he's like, mate, that thing is pimp. Like, that's as good a race car as you can possibly build. Like, down from, uh, you know, bolts, brakes, the componentry, you know, everything is everything is the same. 
really. So um, the gap the gap was big once. Uh, it's 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 barely there anymore. I think these days. I feel like kind of part of the racing culture in Australia is that, you know, at some point, you know, obviously it's not really going to happen this year, but at some point a bunch of the U S drivers come over and, and take part in racing for at least a few weeks. And I'm curious what the kind of fan reaction is. Like, are they excited to see the, you know, the American drivers, or are they like, you know, we, we hope the American drivers get their asses kicked. Like, what is that response like when, uh, when the American drivers come over? Um, <clears throat> I think last year was, was pretty cool when Larson came, like he's the, like Shots is a big name. When he comes, he has his, I guess wherever he goes, you know, he has his fans and his, his haters or whatever. But, uh, I guess the best way to tell is by the amount of shirts you see walking around. I'm pretty big on selling our merch and pushing our stuff. Um, so I kind of like always, I'm never really just staring into the distance. I'm always looking at who's wearing what and, you know, what it looks like and whatever. Um. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You, you, you see a lot of Donny Shot shirts around, especially up in in Queensland, in Brisbane, where he comes out and races most. But uh, certainly last year with Larson coming out, um, that was like at the Warrnambool Fan Appreciation Day. I've never seen a line like there was to get his autograph and buy his stuff. That was that was pretty big. Um, and I think he had such a bad run, he just couldn't do anything. Uh, he just couldn't do anything right. Um, yeah, I feel like everyone was really disappointed by the way that he, um, you know, had to had to end his race over here. I think I genuinely think that people wanted to see him come here and win. So, um, yeah, I think they have their their, their fan favourites. Kerry has a lot of a lot of following. That's that was that became pretty evident to me pretty quickly, uh, as does Brooke. Uh, but certainly, um, yeah, when the Americans come, it builds a lot of excitement. Uh, and I think you know, Aussies are kind of almost kind of like happy to see their hero that they only ever see on the internet come out and race and win. You know, I think they, yeah, they've all, I'm guessing most people would have like a local favorite and then, you know, an American favorite uh, as well. So. I know that you spend time obviously working on the race team, but then you also work at the dealerships as well. When, you know, when you are like in the midst of the season, how much time do you kind of get to spend on, on racing stuff versus, you know, your, your, you know, the, the work that you have to do at the dealerships? Yeah, it's probably the other way around. It's how much time do I spend doing work rather than the race car stuff? <laughs> it seems to take seems to take priority. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm really uh, <clears throat> you're only ever, ever as good as your people or the people around you. So I'm like really fortunate that uh, that the guys on the race team are, are right across everything. I've got really good staff at both both dealerships, really good managers um, in in every department. So we're kind of does certainly free me up and loosen me up a little bit, but yeah, it, it gets it does become really hard to balance, uh, particularly in kind of uh, particularly in in uh, in February when it's uh, you know when the stuff comes back here. When I when I travel, it's kind of like you know I just say to the guys, right, oh, you know, I'm 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 heading east tomorrow, and then I kind of get we'll get left alone for those four or five days, whatever I'm going. Uh, then when I come back, I just try and catch up, but I tend to find myself in doing more race car stuff when I get back to the office anyway. And then, um, yeah, so, uh, and we do a lot of midweek racing. So then no sooner do I get home, I'm kind of like setting up the iPad and dialing into World Series trying to watch it. And I'll be sitting there. I've got two kids as well. So I'll have the three-year-old and the eight-month-old sitting kind of like at the table and a partner on the other side. And I'm sort of like at the iPad and I'm trying to have a conversation with her about the day. And I'm really just kind of trying to, all I really want to do is watch the races. So it does become awkward and hard to balance. But um, 
yeah, I don't know. It's, it's certainly not an even balance. And I guess when, uh, you know, you're as passionate about the race car team as I am, you, you tend to sort of like leave a few things on the diary that day, work related to kind of get your race car stuff straightened up. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a hard, hard one to answer and it's uh, hard to prioritise anything. But, um, yeah, good thing with work is you can just delegate it get someone else to do do this or that but the race car team it's kind of that's a little bit harder a little bit harder than that uh just a couple more questions i'll let you go but where is uh you know the rest of your family right now in in terms of the race team like you know is do you still have you know uncles dad you know who who else is kind of around paying attention and and you know what does that you know kind of full-on cricky family involvement look like uh so yeah mum and dad are uh are really into it <clears throat> dad's uh dad's 70 um but yeah they're like they're really they're really into it uh they barely miss a race you know they come away when it's when it's classic week uh you know they'll we we rent a house in in Warrnambool and we all stay in it you know sometimes there's 10 or 12 people staying in it which leads to super late nights and too many too many crown royals and whatever we actually have a curfew uh you're not allowed to go to bed you're not allowed to go to bed before 4 30 a.m and uh, more often than not my mum's always the last one to bed she just absolutely loves it um so yeah so they're they're, they're really right into it they won't miss a night this year i don't think um yeah and he he kind of doesn't really dad doesn't really get into kind of the, the who's and the who's and the why's or the how much is uh, you know he kind of knows i've got a good handle on it and uh, he may query something if a uh, if the engine bill uh, gets dropped on his desk instead of mine. He'll wander in and sort of say, "Is this right? You know, like what's this?" Blah, blah, blah. But we just kind of straighten him up, and he's all right. Um, other two uncles I've got that are uh, that are heavily involved is Ron and John, uh, who do uh, they were full time promoting here at the Bunbury Speedway uh, up until a few years ago. Uh, now they just promote the uh, the Cricky Boys race, which is. Uh, Typically in Bunbury, <laughs> end of February, very early March. But this year they've had to shift it. Uh, the track had some safety concerns around the fencing, uh, and at the, earlier in the season they weren't sure if they were going to get the get the uh, get the tick. Over here, you've got to be licensed. Um, certain level of, of safety. Uh, they uh, they weren't sure if it was going to be compliant by March, so they had to uh, make a move and shift the race to have it at, uh, at the Perth Motorplex. Uh, in uh, in February this year, so they're both Ron and John are, are, are really heavily involved. They get along to the races uh, more often than not. <clears throat> um, I'm really uh, yeah really tight with those guys. Uh, catch up with them most Wednesday nights. The, the whole Cricky family, uh, for, uh, what is there? Four uncles and two aunties. We all get together on a Thursday morning at 10 a.m. for uh, for morning tea for like half an hour, 45 minutes for for a coffee and a catch up, uh, which is uh, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, so as far as involvement in the sport, mum and dad are really heavily involved and, and absolutely love it. Um, dad will pull the race apart at the end of it and he'll be like, oh, what about this and that? And this bloody, you know, slide job, this and that, and bloody checked and whatever. And uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, uh, he loves it. He's right into it. Yeah, Ron and John still heavily, really heavily involved in promoting side of things. Have you allowed yourself, I, I, you know, there's still obviously a ton of uncertainty, but have you allowed yourself to kind of think beyond this season and, and you know, where you go after this? Is it, you know, is it back to, to you know, World Series and carry or is it, you know, another direction? Have you, have you even thought about that stuff yet? Yeah, I have. Um, <clears throat> started thinking about it as soon as, uh, as soon as Dane got in the car because I'm really wrapped the way he's going about it. Uh, I've actually spoken to Maddie about uh maybe getting another couple of cars and having maybe trying to run two of them out of the shop next year maybe have uh or like run because we actually start racing 
in Perth here quite a bit earlier than uh, than the World Series starts. So you know, I kind of see maybe a bit of an opportunity, and you've got to be really careful because the World Series is kind of like you know the the ultimate goal, if you like, to go and win that, which is still still my uh, still my commitment. Um, you know, is is really what I want to go and win. But I'm kind of thinking. Can we do? We have enough staff. Can we get some more staff to kind of have a card or to put Dane in it uh, early uh, through, you know, like October through to December, go on the road for the couple of months, and then come back and then put Dane in it. Um, you know, once once Kerry goes back, as his Kerry's time with us is really only three months or two and a half months at the most. So I said that there's um, maybe. Uh, some windows at the front and the back of the season to keep Dane in it. Uh, I'd really like to. Uh, I mean, we're a long way from the end of the season. Who knows? He might. Um, he might get rid of. He might. He might wreck it really before the end of the year, and then that decision will be will be a bit easier to make. Let's hope it's not. But um, yeah, certainly. Yeah, well, certainly at this point in time, looking forward, the focus is still uh, around World Series, and um, uh, at this point in time, uh, you know, I have a uh, I have a commitment to Kerry. Uh, I told him, mate, this year's you know just a gap year. Uh, for, for obvious reasons, next year we'll go after it again. Uh, so yeah, I've already started thinking that and how do we handle it? You know, because I don't want to, you know, especially if Dane continues to improve and do such a good job, I don't want it to be just like, uh, you know, a, a whole year of R and D and good laps for him for nothing. You know, uh, if we go back and do what we want to do, then I really want to see him get a ride in, in someone else's car. And there's just not many. You know, they're all kind of family owned or you know there's there's really no rides you know it's not like the us where there's a lot of seat swapping going on and whatnot so i kind of don't want to let him improve so much like he is at the moment and then just go oh by the way you know mate, you know it was a one-year deal we're out now Kerry's back in you know i don't want to i don't want to do that i don't want to waste it i think he's, he's such a talent uh, and i think given more laps he can he can just continue to improve and be a real contender so um yeah i don't know who knows where the borders and this whole COVID thing's going to be maybe Maybe next year looks the same as this year. Um, you know, I don't know. Australia's pretty hard on their on their borders and uh, whatnot, particularly WA, uh, Western Australia. So, yeah, it's, it's a really hard one to answer yet. Yes, you need to look forward, but it's kind of hard without knowing how it all looks, I guess, yeah. Well, I will uh, let you get back to work. I know it's a, a busy Monday for you, uh, but uh, I certainly appreciate you taking some time to talk and uh, good luck with the team and, and the season going forward. Yeah, great. Thanks for the opportunity to come on the show. It's um, been a uh, yeah, long time, uh, long time listener of, of Open Red, and now your uh, your show that you're doing on your own is really cool. So I uh, no, appreciate the call up, and uh, everybody have a uh, have a good, uh, safe Christmas and New Year, and yeah, keep an eye on the uh, W two W two over the next few weeks. My favorite thing about doing these shows is uncovering the good stories from across dirt racing, and that includes around the world. The dirt racing community down under is vibrant and thriving, and there are some great connections between our universe and theirs. With travel and shipping globally becoming much easier, it was interesting to hear from Ryan about the similarities with their equipment. I appreciate him taking some time out of a busy Monday before Christmas to chat. You can keep up with Cricky and their driver Dane Kingshot on Dirt Vision this American offseason as they race at Perth Motorplex. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.